D. Smith, welcome in. It's the latest edition of the Unnamed Soccer Podcast. The Unnamed Soccer Podcast brought to you by Three Punk Ales in Chulista. It is also brought to you by Sport Clips. Jordan Carruth went to Sport Clips. Rocking a fresh cut there. Yeah, I got to keep it tight, Darren. You are. You got to look really good for a podcast. It's important, especially when we have somebody taking pictures of us so that we can post on social so you can see what we look like in all of our totally unstaged moments during this podcast. So uh, there's a lot of different things we're going to get to on the podcast, but we have to start with the fact that we're in a different room here at iHeart. This is not the normal studio that we record from. I am uh, I'm not uncomfortable, but I wouldn't say I'm comfortable. Uh, will you be comfortable? Are you making excuses already for the quality of the podcast? Because I feel like it's a bad start 42 seconds in for you to start talking about how you're uncomfortable. You're right. We had to adjust. That's what you do. Sometimes you know, the ref shows you a red card and you got to play a man down for some extended period of time, Jordan. You just got to adjust on the fly. So I have faith in you. Darren. I have faith in this podcast that will will be great. We will crush it today. Though we're out of our normal environment. Darren, I wanted to just show off my offensive skills for the next 30 minutes, but instead, red card in the 60, and now we're going to have to change our style of play a little bit. We're going to make sure we don't give up any goals. It's going to be a good podcast, and we're going to do it SD Loyal style. How about that? I like it. I like it. How about that? We are we're off, and we are running. I guess that's where we should start with this podcast, and I got plenty to chat about. Took a Tuesday off, went and watched some Champions League. <laughs> Jordan came out. He hung out down at Serrano's, downtown San Diego. With Had some mezcal. Pena, Blagrana was fantastic. We've with got the a Classico coming up. Our Familia was there. We've got an update on the scarf situation, which is always exciting. Mm-hmm. But the most exciting thing, Jordan, is we've got a match. Like We had thousands of people show up on the campus of the University of San Diego, Torero Stadium. To watch FC Loyal in a friendly against a Panamanian side called Costa del Este, and our side won one nil. Yeah, a lot of firsts over the weekend, Darren. We had uh, SD Loyal's first match at Torero Stadium. Darren was there. I'm going to ask him a bunch of questions about it. Uh, first opportunity for the locals to set up shop right behind the net. So we got to see that for the first time at Torero Stadium. Uh, first time we've seen the new kits actually used. We've seen them play in a couple scrimmages, a couple friendlies leading up to the season, but we haven't seen those new kits on the field yet. So that was the first time we've seen those kits. And uh, first win at home, and it's also the first red card we've seen. So a lot of firsts over the weekend. Uh, I also would throw one other first into this group as well because I showed up there a bit curious about one thing. What will our manager be wearing? This is important. Forget about who the starting 11 is. And is it a 3-5-2 or is it a 3-1-4-2? Forget about all that crap. I mean, come on. That's a bunch of bullshit. We want to know, like, what does our manager look like? Because if you would have guessed how our manager, stylistically, not how he's going to coach, but, like, what he's going to wear, what would you have predicted for Landon Donovan in his first ever match? As a manager, what would you have predicted style-wise? Like, compare him to a manager that we get a chance to see an awful lot of. Describe what he was wearing, because you were actually there. But from what the pictures I saw, it was like the full black jacket that goes all the way down past your knees. He looked like he was on the sidelines at Southampton on a rainy Tuesday. Had a scarf? He had a scarf on. Now, again, not a traditional club scarf or a local's scarf, but had on a like a style, like a very stylish scarf. Like a Gucci scarf? scarf? I don't know if it was Gucci or not. Louis um, Vuitton, maybe. But I'm guessing that, yeah, he, you would get something like that at like a men's fashion type place. Yeah. Right? Like you're not, 
They didn't, he didn't go to Burlington Coat Factory for that. No, you're not getting that from Amazon. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're, you're rolling around one of those nice shops there. I compared him directly, by the way. So if this gets back to Landon, it's nothing I haven't said to him oh, directly. It, it will get back to Landon. Well, that's fine because I've said it to him. I said, you look like a, a, an American Pep Guardiola. That is a good comparison. I actually really like that comparison. I think a lot of managers are going to be surprised. They're going to be, they're going to come into San Diego thinking it's San Diego. It doesn't get cold at night in San Diego. And here, a San Diegans know it can hit pretty hard. Landon Donovan is wearing that jacket for a reason. Right. I look forward to Landon looking amazing on the sidelines this season, while opposing managers come to San Diego thinking they can wear board shorts and flip flops. <laughs> and that is not going to be the case because at night at Torero Stadium by the water, it's cold. It's cold. It creates a little bit of a, an environment. I think this is really important because, yeah, we've spent a lot of time talking about Jose Mourinho, what he wears. Is he going to go track suit? I never – Bruce Arena, do you go shirt? Do you go tie? Do you go – who's the uh, – Jose's style at Chelsea was always a huge talking point. Who's the um, – Who you got? Who, who am I thinking of? I just drew a blank. Who's the uh, the English uh, men's national team manager? Because he always goes with, with a vest. He goes – right? Like, he's yeah, got a very, very unique style. Like, I again, it stands out. Like, this is important stuff. Nobody should be laughing at this. But, like, I, I was like, is Landon going to go because it's a friendly? Will he go tracksuit? Is he going to wear one of those white Adidas SD Loyal pull-up sprint jackets, like running jackets? Well, Southgate wears like that, that Southgate, vest. Gare Southgate, right. He wears like that vest underneath. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's a no, whole. No, it's not underneath. Like, he's wearing that. Like, that's the He exterior. never throws the coat on the top. He I might... mean, that's a whole extra layer. That's, it's impressive. That's impressive style. It I like impressive. that style. And it's unique to Gareth Southgate. It is. Okay, so forget the coat. So do you think Landon has a unique style, or do we just call him the English Pep? Or the U.S. Pep? <laughs> U.S. Pep Guardiola. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, like this is, this is stuff that matters because it shows you, yeah, Landon's spending a lot of time trying to figure out who the starting 11 is, what his rotations are going to be like. How does this work in league matches? How's this going to work in U.S. Open Cup matches, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? All of a sudden, the locals are singing that we have Pep on the sidelines. People are confused. Is that Pep? Is it Landon? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I can't tell the difference. They both look amazing. By the way, if you Google Gareth Southgate, first thing that comes up is Gareth Southgate vest. Yeah. So, again, like, this is important stuff. It is. It's it's so, I mean, I did have questions since you were actually there. Like, I, I did and write also, down. by the way, the official is not a vest. That's like we're totally butchering this American-wise. It's a waistcoat, officially. Okay. But. I'm glad you pointed that out. There. We can call it a vest. I wore a vest to my wedding. I'm a big fan of vests. I wore a vest to host the Rich Eisen show. But that. Same vest, as a matter of fact. I'm very much in a vest. Anyway, back to Landon. He just, you know, I, he had some. I wouldn't call them skinny pants, but you know, it was a slim look, and uh, had a coat, had a uh, you know a coat on, and had a nice scarf, and it was tied perfectly. I was like, that's our manager right there, man. I don't know if the dude can manage or not, but he dresses the part, and I approve of it. So far, so good for Landon as a manager. You saw the kits in person, actually on the field for the first time. How'd those look? Well, they were the away kits. Right, which I'm kind of glad they did. I think you should save the uh, the whites for the regular season debut. I thought they Is looked... that why they're doing it? I have no idea why they went orange. I don't know. I, I didn't ask anybody about that. Uh, I thought it looked good. Uh, I thought that a lot of the fans who showed up were wearing some sort of SD Loyal attire, which I thought was great. I saw uh, a lot of the white shirts with the stone brewing. I know that those were available for sale. People have been trying to find those online. They've been trying to find them at Soccer Loco. They had a, a bunch of uh, stuff available for purchase. There, obviously, for the first match. 
So uh, there was some women's stuff there. But as far as it goes with the players on the pitch, I, I thought they looked pretty good. I, I, I was I, The orange looked good. I thought the orange looked good. I think it'll look better when they're wearing the whites. Yeah, I you look know, forward I, to the whites. I do. I mean, I think that you know the orange is, is, you know, what makes it unique is the logo and obviously the shirt sponsor there with Stone Brewing, as we've discussed. But I, I you know, I think that the orange is pretty stock. You know, I think orange mm-hmm. is, is, and we've seen them in orange before, so it wasn't right. It wasn't some big reveal when they played FC Dallas. Right. That's what they were wearing. So there was not some some big reveal. I think when they wear the whites, I think that'll be the big reveal coming up on March seventh. And I don't know that they are or aren't. I'm just guessing that they will be wearing the whites on March seventh. Yeah, I would I would imagine so. Um, so one of the other talking points from that game is Jack Metcalf. Jack mm-hmm. Metcalf scored a goal for SD Loyal. He's uh he's from Liverpool. He is, he's red, he's not blue, that according to his Twitter, he is telling people he is a Liverpool supporter. Sorry, San Diego Toffees. But the good news and the beautiful thing about having your own club in your own town is, just because he supports Liverpool, Everton fans here in San Diego get to support Metcalf because he's going to score goals for SD Loyal. So uh, our mate Nate, who joins this podcast pretty much whenever he wakes up, he was on the public address for the match against Costa del Este. So if you have heard Nate Abrea on this podcast. He practiced last week on the podcast. He was doing public address for the first ever, like an incredible responsibility because some of these names require pronunciation because you want to get it right. And uh, I hung around with Nate a little bit after the match. And he told me, and he will not mind me saying this, that when when Metcalf scored in the 44th minute, First ever goal in the history of SD Loyal. He put a little extra, he said, and from Liverpool, England, Jack Metcalf. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) San Diego Toffees are not happy with (laughs) Nate. You can't. No, Nate. He told me he added that in. He said, and and from Liverpool, England, Jack Metcalf. Imagine if he said, and from Liverpool, Mo Salah with the goal. (laughs) Nate was fantastic yeah of course he was was fantastic he was really really good he just he 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 was flawless his pronunciations were terrific even when he got caught up when Irvin Parra ended up being sent off he picked up a red card yeah Nate handled that well because you don't know what the hell's going on what what is happening here you know ref isn't taking the mic it looked like there was a lot of confusion there he was really really good and and also I looked at this through a couple of different prisms one myself because we do a soccer podcast and we're fans and we love the game. We've waited years for this, you know, to see this. But I also brought my wife. So I had a chance to live it through her, somebody who doesn't live it like you and I do. She was like, God, this PA guy. I was like, that's Nate. That's our main Nate. She's like, he's so good. She went into the supporter section. She crashed the supporter section. She was down there in the front row towards the tail end of the match. She was asking people for the lyrics to some of the songs that the locals were singing. Like she was, she was all about it. Like wife, amazing time, just yeah. an incredible. Now we went out a little bit before, so yeah, we showed up. My bottle of wine in, and perfect, uh, you know. But she's all about like she channeled her inner high school cheerleader and like jumped. Her and uh, our guy DK both just jumped right into the supporter <laughs> section at the tail end of the match and were jumping up and down and moving side to side. Warren Smith was down there. It was great. Yeah, it seemed like a huge party, which is amazing. Like, that's the that's atmosphere you want right there. Uh, what what wine pairs with an SD Loyal match, Darren? What were you drinking before showing up to Terrell? Uh, we had a, uh, a Pinot from Oregon, mm. if you must know. Well, Penarash. I'm, 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 just, I'm just asking. Just, yeah. I don't know. 
So Metcalf scored. I saw a quote from Metcalf uh, after the game. He said it's the probably the best squad he's ever been a part of. Yeah, I mean, you and I aren't getting paid to say this. And, you know, again, I, I say this. I'm sure that they will have their ups and downs over the span of their inaugural season. But uh, I think no BS, like the quality of play mm-hmm. stood out. You're right. It was mostly a party, a celebration. Hey, guess what? Like, we've got a club. Let's tear it up. You know, three, 4,000 people. I don't know exactly what they want to call it or what the, what it was. Uh, you know, watching the supporters group, everybody sort of feeling the place out a little bit, gear, et cetera. You know, it was a celebration. And that celebration is going to continue all year. But, but in terms of the actual quality of play, uh, and I even had somebody from the club ask me this. They're like, we we're pretty good, huh? Like, were you surprised by the quality of play is what I was asked mm-hmm. by somebody who's with the club. And I said, yes and no. I'm a little surprised because you're an expansion club. But I watched enough USL last year because you know I went out and saw the lights play. And we've talked with Winalda a little bit. And there were some whispers that we were going to get a club. So I started paying more attention on ESPN+. Plus. Mm-hmm. So I, I knew it was better than than what some who don't pay attention will will claim. But in terms of it all coming together, they must have had a really, really good camp. I mean, there were good passing combinations, really good opportunities. You might look and say, hey, one nil scoreline, probably not all that great. But no, like the quality was, you know, the quality was it was I don't want to say it was better than I thought, because I've watched enough to know that there's quality players here, but it was better than I thought for this club coming through its first ever training camp. So when Landon was asked about the formation, he called it a 3-5-2. 3-5-2 is what he's calling it. Other people will argue it's like a 3-1-4-2, but he's calling it a 3-5-2. Uh, the reason he's doing this, did you did you see why they're doing this? Uh, I would take a guess. I can only take a guess. I have not read the quote, and I'm probably going to be a million miles off, but can I? you want me to guess? Go for it. Because Joe Greenspan is that fucking good. Like, he, he for me, and again, I'm absorbing it all. So I'm looking at supporters group. I'm drinking beers. I'm engaging with other people. I'm tracking down my wife who's leaving me for the supporters group. Um, but if I had to, if you made me say, hey, man of the match for you, I would have said Joe Greenspan. Yeah? yeah. Well, that makes you a little bit more confident with three in the back. He, is that what he said? No, the reason he says is because every other team in the West plays a different formation. They're playing a 4-3-3. So when teams come here to play SD Loyal, wherever they're playing SD Loyal at their home stadium, um, they're just not going to be used to playing against that style. Yeah. So he thinks now... Now, is he going to play that strictly home, or is he going to play I would imagine you're playing it everywhere. Huh. I would imagine, but I don't know. We can ask him. Well, he said there was going to be a different style home in a way, because he felt like, like prioritizing three points at home... And giving the fans an exciting brand, yeah, because you know, that is part of it. You're trying to win as much as possible, but you also want people to go there to go and have a great time and like what they see and see some goals scored. So he had he had said, and he said this publicly that he may have said it here on the podcast that he was going to be a little bit more aggressive and offensive minded when they played home matches compared to how they played away. I wonder if that's personality or if that's actually for changes in the formation. We'll find out. That's something to watch with this club. Yeah. Isn't it great? We got we have stuff to watch and, for and with Greenspan, the club. And Greenspan, who's the USL Defender of the Year, six mm-hmm. six. Uh, it got to the point where, and this was an impromptu chant from the locals, where it just became a Joe says no, Joe says no. And he was he's every bit of six six, and you can see it out there. Like, yeah, like he is legit. 
Um, it seems like the red card kind of killed off the game a little bit. I mean, SD Loyal, the response was great to, to lock him down 10 men. That's exactly what you want to see. But for a team playing in San Diego, you kind of want to showcase what you have so far, and you want to see what you have so far. I mean, Landon is still, we're learning about this team. Landon is still learning about this team a lot, too. So he needs those opportunities to see all 11 guys out there. So it seemed like it was a little bit of a buzzkill to get the red card. Unfortunate situation. I have no idea what happened. I could guess what he said, but I have no idea. What was said, what happened, I don't know what the result was with the red card, but usually when it happens like that, something was well, uh, you know, it was very weird. Pretty direct. And it's like the sixtieth minute. So by this point, every you know, I'm not the only person who's who's half in the bag. But, you know, he was being subbed out, which was the weird thing. Irvin Parr was being subbed out and said something to the ref, because it was getting, you know, a little chippy down there, which was good to see. And uh he said something. He must have, you know, who knows? And and you, know, you could see the discussion was, well, why don't you let us sub him out? I'm like, well, so we don't have to play a man down. And they lost that argument. But he was literally walking off the pitch to be subbed. And I don't remember who exactly it was. I mean, I know who came in in the 60th minute. It was it was Carlos Alvarez for uh, Yair Jayen, who played for this club, this Costa del Este. So I think there was the argument like, hey, why don't you just let us sub him out so we don't have to play a man down here? And the ref wasn't having it. It's not even like a real, I mean. You know, now again, you want to say, you want to take a positive Not the of time that? to take someone out of that match. Like, it's ridiculous that someone gets that taken out. red card somebody yeah, it's literally ridiculous. walking off the yeah, pitch. Yeah, SD Loyal should have finished that match with 11 guys. Yeah. Now, again, silver lining guy that I am, because you know me, Jordan, I'm always glass half full. I, I guess you got to work on yeah. playing a man down. But, but that also might have changed the way you saw it, because maybe then, you know, instead of going, you know, Offense for offense, you know, now you got to think more a little bit defensively. Ended up bringing in, uh, you know, a midfielder and, and you know, a couple of midfielders there. So, yeah. I don't know. It's just, Landon, it was, it was after really the weird. game, Landon said it really killed the game, the red card. He was asked about it. He said it really did kill the game. But I think the response was great, and the response is exactly what you wanted to see. You're just trying to, like, rev up this engine right now, right? The season's here. You're trying to rev it up a little bit, and I feel like the red card was just like, here's a red card straight into your spokes. <laughs> Yeah. It's like let, let us finish with eleven here and see what's going. Like we're again, trying to like, we're trying to turn this over. Not what you wanted, but uh, you know, again, if if you know, I I think any coach or manager would tell you like, good. Well, I don't know how much time we spent working on our our uh, you know what happens when we're a man down, but that was an opportunity in a, a real game. Yeah, to actually see what it looks like and have to make those decisions. Yeah, and right? not, because you never. It's not like any manager is ever like unless you're the Real Madrid manager and you manage Sergio Ramos. It's not like you ever sit around and think to yourself, like, well, what am I, you know, my player's going to get a red card today. Well, when we had Diego Costa, that was part of our thought process right. as well. So I will, right. I mean, I will admit to Ramos that. At one point, get red card. He did it in the fucking Champions League match, so he does it all the time. <laughs> he just, he's the leader all time in La Liga and Champions League history. Yeah. So, no, the response was amazing. So they're going to play again. They have one more game, one more match this weekend, and then March 7th. At Torero Stadium, back at Torero Stadium, the opener against Las Vegas Lights. So we're all excited for Eric Winalda against Landon Donovan, right, Darren? Like, we've been talking Bring about it. that for a long time. It's, it's going to be on ESPN News. ESPN News. Um, you're going to get the national broadcast. Winalda, Donovan. But this weekend, I don't, I don't think we should just let this slide to the side. We have Landon Donovan against Ian Russell. Ian Russell is the head coach for Reno 1868. We're all learning more about SD Loyal, right? It's also important to learn a little bit about these other clubs. So I wrote down some notes for you, Darren, so I can give you some insight. So you feel like when you see what happens this weekend in Reno with SD Loyal, you know a little bit more about that club. What do you think about that? I like it. You Teach us. All right, here we go. Professor Carruth. Darren, do you know where Reno 
1868 plays. <laughs> I'm going to guess they play in Reno, Nevada. That is correct. They do play in Reno. Have you been to Reno? I've not been to Reno. I'd like to go to Reno. And I said that to Jordan before we started the show. And he told me he thought Reno was a shithole. I said Reno sucks. Okay. That was my quote. Uh, the owner is a real estate developer who also owns the Indiana Pacers. Herbert Simon. So this, I don't know. Do you like the Pacers or do you hate the Indiana Pacers? Uh, personally, I hate the Pacers. Okay, so you probably I don't grew like up this club. Fan, and uh, there were many, many years where it you was don't like Reggie Miller, Miller and, yeah. and you know, the Davis guys. Yeah, I'm Rick Smith. I, I don't like any of those guys. Okay, well, this the owner of this club also owns the Pacers. So. Okay, 0 for 2. Yeah, we're 0 for 2. I mentioned the head coach, Ian Russell. Ian Russell uh, is the only coach in the history of the club. The club was they came around just a couple years ago, 2017. They played together. Landon Donovan and Ian Russell played together in San Jose, they won two MLS Cups together. Wow. They also played together in Los Angeles. Russell played three games in Los Angeles in 2007, but 2007 is a big year. LD, David Beckham on that roster. So Ian Russell, Landon Donovan, they have some history. They've won multiple MLS Cups. They, uh, they played with two different clubs together. So that's going to be something to watch for. We get Winalda. I mean, the Winalda-Donovan storyline is spicy, but I'm it also is. looking forward to... The Russell. And then I was looking around on YouTube there and just to see goal celebrations. Like, let's go back to 2001. Let's go back to 2003. Was I watching San Jose earthquake games in 2001? I was not. I know somebody who was. Nate was. Nate was. 2003, was I watching? I was not. But YouTube was. Or at least YouTube has video of these goal celebrations. So you know what? how I spent my morning? Watching Landon Donovan and Ian Russell rip off their shirts Every single time they scored a goal. Oh, break it down. Every single time they scored a goal for the Earthquakes, that shirt came straight off. By the way, whoever wins this weekend, the manager has to rip off their shirt. I mean, you just have to do it. That's that's what's on the line this weekend. But they both did. There's one picture I posted, Darren, where you kind of have like the shirts not all the way off. Like it's still kind of it's over your head, but it's not all the way over your shoulders and your arms are still kind of up and they're running around. That's something to watch for this weekend. Some amazing okay. shirtless <laughs> celebrations between these two head coaches. Yeah, I don't know. I think we just got done breaking down and analyzing Landon's managerial attire. Do you know what color hair that, he had? I don't had? know that he's going to shed that attire now. I think those days are done. But it's Reno, baby. Well, listen. Things get wild on a Saturday night in Reno, don't they? He had bleach blonde hair. Landon's on the left. I'm showing Darren a picture yeah. right now. And then Ian Russell's on the right. Similar celebration, no? Kind of, yeah. Yeah, that must have been a thing. Kinda. Somebody should ask Landon about that. It's identical. It is identical if you ask Well, that me. is amazing research. It was pretty good, right? <laughs> Thank you. Anything else you need to know? Hey, how about Why this? Why do they call themselves 1868? What's uh, that about? You know, it's probably like the, when they became a city or something silly like that. Um, they, had a, uh, they had a contest for how they were going to name their club. I, wrote, I didn't write down the other choices, but they, it was a contest. People just voted. That's how it went down for Reno. Okay. Yeah. And uh, they're a feeder club? San so Jose? I'm glad you or asked. Not. Um, they have a hybrid affiliation. So what they do is the San Jose Earthquakes, they control head coaching, coaches, players. They control everything for the team in Reno. But the club in Reno will take care of marketing, tickets, fan engagement. But the Earthquakes are taking care of the coaches. So Ian Russell was an assistant with the Earthquakes back in 2017 when this club started. The Earthquakes just sent him to go be the head coach with Reno. Great. 
So that's he has earthquakes history. So that's the connection. It's it's not an official like they're not. I don't know. They call it a hybrid in their press releases. So that's what I go off of. They have the uh, largest margin of victory in league history. They've only been around a couple of years. They beat L.A. Galaxy two nine nil. Reno did a couple LA years Galaxy ago. LA Galaxy 2, I yeah. believe. Uh, good, that's good info. I believe SD Loyal finishes its uh, inaugural campaign against LA Galaxy 2. Do they? Yes. I think Reno and Galaxy 2 played the first game. One I think that's I've their first too season. Is, is like these clubs that are feeder clubs, they're a lot different. Like Very LA, different. Yeah, it's, it's a lot different. You Look at their attendance be the independent totals. Side. Yeah, independent. Uh, you're right. You want to be on the independent side. You want to be one of these clubs. That's totally unaffiliated like SD Loyal. Yeah. That much I can say for certain. Yeah. So, uh, Reno, they averaged, last year they averaged 4,300 fans a game. They were middle of the pack. So, not bad. They finished second in the West last year. They were really good in the West. Uh, they lost in the quarterfinals. So, pretty good team. Um, and they also have that 9-0 win back in the day against LA Galaxy, too. I would sign up the very first season, since they are relatively young, Darren. Last thing on Reno. I won't go much longer on Reno. Okay, good. 2017. <laughs> but we have to learn more. It's important yeah. for us to learn more about these clubs. We're going to see them again in the regular season. And they're a good club. Like This is real competition for SD Loyal. I would sign up for their first year. 2017. Reno, they had the best goal differential in the league in their first year in the league. Fourth best record. They scored 75 goals. That was a league record. And they made the playoffs. They also had the MVP in the league on their roster, the rookie of the year on their roster, and a bunch of first team players. So... I would sign up for that first year that they had in 2017. And I will sign up for a win against that club this weekend in Reno. With Landon Donovan ripping off his shirt in front of Ian Russell. Oh, his very stylish uh, men's fashion shirt. Do you feel like you know more about Reno now? I do. I do. Again, I'm with you. I'm learning pretty slowly a lot of this stuff. I mean, I don't want to say slowly, but some of it isn't. It's it's all new. You know, and think about this, too. I'm spending a lot of my time thinking and focusing on the Western Conference of the USL Championship. Like, I've not spent a lot of time on the Eastern Conference. No, I have not either. Because you don't either. see them. There is no crossover. There's no inner inner league play. There's none of that. So it's not like every club plays everybody, right? Like MLS kicking off this weekend. So you, know, you don't cross that boundary until you get, if you get, to the USL Cup and to the championship you don't see any squads from the Eastern Conference at all during the regular season. I am totally comfortable hosting this podcast knowing that we're still learning about USL because most of San Diego is still learning about USL. A lot of people still have a lot to learn about USL. So that is the majority. So we have a lot to learn about this league, and we're going to learn them. Club by club, baby. There's your Reno rundown. And you just poured cold water over because I was wondering if Reno was going to be a potential uh, road trip. Away trip. We can go. But you just, you know, you're sitting. Listen, Reno for the trip I did last time would be a lot different than like Reno with the supporters group or with the club. You know, like that would be that would be fun. Reno would be a good road trip. Okay. You like that? We'll see them June 27th at Torero Stadium. Okay. I don't know what their stadium's all about, but. We'll uh, I think they play where the Reno Aces play. Oh, do they? They play in a ballpark? these Cubs play in these MLB, in these uh, minor league baseball parks. Hmm. So, you know, the goal is the same goal that SD Loyal has, which is, you know, a couple of years, two, three-year lease, Torero Stadium, and then find your space to build a modular. Because I also now am following the USL Championship on Twitter. Man, they make a big deal out of some of these, you know, Lou City, when they get uh, break ground on their own stadium and you see some of those, you know, visual digital renderings, like, mm-hmm. it's great, really is good. Yeah, I saw the Lou City ones. Those do look amazing. And it only makes you wonder what you could possibly do in San Diego down the line. Um, so that's all I got on SD Loyal. You went to a match on Saturday. They got uh, the match against Reno coming up this weekend. We just learned a little bit more about that club. And then uh, March 7th, of course, the Las Vegas Lights going to be here at Torero Stadium. I can't wait. Has, is it sold out yet? If it's not, I mean, I would. 
I would imagine that's coming. I have announcement that it will be. I I'm sure that, that is coming. I know that the fan support, you know, you uh, read some of the players' quotes afterwards. Our guy uh, Cesar Hernandez wrote for the USL official website. Some of the guys like, yeah, like we were really impressed that we had supporters. And then, you know, the whole squad came up afterwards and gave them a, a proper amount of applause. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was good. Landon came over there, fashionable, fashionable as he always is. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was it was good night, good debut. Yeah, it seemed like a success Saturday yeah. night. So they're looking for another success this weekend in Reno, and then it then it's for real. Then it starts. Then it's Winalda here in SD. Yep, we'll see what and, happens. And game on. Um, so we can go Champions League, and I can tell you how Chelsea still have a chance against Bayern Munich. Or or do you believe that though? I, no, not at all. I don't believe that at all. <laughs> okay. Listen, Darren, I've been very honest about this. Getting Bayern Munich in this round likely and clearly will end Chelsea's run in Champions League. But all it did for Chelsea fans was remind them of the 2012 run. And we got to read a bunch of stories on The Athletic from guys like Frank Lampard and John Terry and Ashley Cole, Didier Drogba, other players that uh, were quoted talking about that 2012 Champions League title that they won in Munich, in Munich, against Bayern Munich. So it was a lot of fun for me, even though they lost 3-0 at home. How about you? Uh, I'm uh, saving that reading for a different day. Okay. Yeah, I bookmarked that for somewhere else down the road. So I. Well, I, I understand will catch because up on my Chelsea Bayern Munich reading. I understand Chelsea knocked out Barca in that that year. Remember Fernando Torres putting yes, him away in Barca. I do. Yeah, that was beautiful. All yeah. right. Well, I'm glad that you uh, have to live in the past. Based on the result from Tuesday. Well, I used the pass to try to make Barca feel a little bit better in Champions League against Napoli. Because in 2012, Chelsea went down 3-1 in Naples before going back home and getting enough goals to advance into the next round. And I expect Barca to do something similar after going 1-1 against Napoli. Yeah, I mean, the way goals, it's everything. You know, Barca just, away form has been so wretched for them, especially at a group stage that all week you just, you, you sort of... Imagine a group of Barca fans sitting around a bar on Tuesday going, hey, man, you sign up for a scoreless draw? Yeah, me too. <laughs> I mean, that's what it's come to. Like, hey, man, yeah, scoreless draw? Yeah, I'd take that. 1-1 draw? Yeah, sure. Where do we sign up for that? We've only got the greatest player ever on our squad. We're all like, yeah, let's just get it back home. Let's just not be down like 0-3 heading back into camp now. Like, That'd be a great day for us here on Tuesday. You were there. Were you like, I know. You were, I got to sit around going like, yeah, Barca would be great if it was just a I don't know what you guys draw. were complaining about. So I had the treatment where I'm sitting down at the uh, at the restaurant at Serrano's, and I'm streaming Chelsea playing on my phone because they're not going to throw a Chelsea match on at Serrano's during Champions League yeah. when Barcelona are playing. So I'm the guy that's sitting there with my phone streaming the game. And every time I look up, Barca have the ball. They look dominant. It's the same old same thing you have, you always see with Barca. They have like ninety percent of the possession. They never lose. That's 7, what happens. Seven thousand passes. Yeah, exactly. That's Barca. And uh, the next time I look up, like Napoli celebrating a goal, and I'm like, "What happened? You guys are down. They haven't even touched the ball yet." So it's my last two Champions League viewing uh, experiences with Barca were the Liverpool match and then Napoli. But I think the Napoli one, like you said, it's the away goal. The away goal is huge. You get the away goal. Back home, I still like your chances. I think most uh, Barca fans, you know, were relieved that you know they're relieved with an away goal, and that it's level. I don't think any, you know, listen, I, you'll always have the optimism of being a, a you know, a fan, but I think the reality is, and even Lionel Messi has said, like, we're not good enough to win Champions League. We're not good enough right now to win Champions League. So. You know, I think a lot of people heard that, took their cue, and sort of said, yeah, well, if Leo's saying it, he's probably right. 
Doesn't mean they can't get better, but right now as they're learning Kiki Setiana, everything is just a little off for them. They find themselves behind in almost every single match, which is not a great recipe. It'll probably happen again this Sunday in El Clasico against Real Madrid. By the way, if you want to come down to Serrano's, they're the more the merrier, and it'll be a big old fundraiser. We've got a great cause, which I'll, I'll be happy to talk about here in a moment. But in terms of the actual club, Jordan and I are both in a pool. This wasn't one of those weird, like, hey, I'm a fan, so I'm not going to pick my club thing. Like, I, I, you know, there are, I, there are other clubs to pick besides Barca this year. You know, Man City, Liverpool, Juventus. Did you pick them to get past Napoli? I picked them to get past Napoli, Okay, because yeah. I, I picked mean, I Bayern they would Munich. Get, I, I didn't even pick Chelsea. Didn't even bother, yeah. Nah. I mean, is that also, like a weird fan thing? Or are you like, oh, I don't want to pick my club? Or are you like, nah, I think, I, I I think gotta, people realize, I'm a realist with my club. You got money on the line here. Like, yeah. this is your money talking. I thought they'd get through Napoli, but... Man, they get paired up against one of those other squads. I don't I don't see them. Yeah. All right. I mean, they're still Barca and they still have Messi and and you know, I mean, maybe Griezmann, but so something I that I thought so. was really interesting in Champions League when I well, at the very end of the Manchester City Real Madrid game, right as soon as City goes fall 2-1 in Madrid, the play-by-play broadcaster said something that I thought was interesting. He said one of the biggest wins in club history for Manchester City. Something along the lines. I don't think I said that exactly right. But one of the bigger wins for Manchester City ever. I'm like, come on. Like Real Madrid, they're down a little bit. City, they've won a couple leagues. And then I really started thinking about it. That Symbolically, that was one of their biggest wins in club history in Madrid. I know Real Madrid aren't exactly what we saw when they won three in a row or however many in a row they won. And they've won 13 overall, and they they should rename the tournament after them, essentially. Like, winning in Madrid, I think, is a really big deal in Champions League. And just because Man City has already been grouped in with this mega club grouping that you have, that they don't exactly have the... It's going to sound... All right. They haven't won Champions League before. They've never won that tournament. So for them to go into Madrid and right. take down a team that's won it more than any other club... Uh, a 13-time winner. Yeah, like that... I know it's not the best Real Madrid club we've ever seen. Clearly, it's not. But, but you know what? what it means... But hold on, though. I'm just going to jump in on this because this is true, and I think everybody would tell you this. The clubs that won three straight with Zinedine and Zidane uh-huh. were not the best Real Madrid clubs ever either. Like, look at those clubs and how they did in La Liga that year. That's right. Barca so, were like, running away with the it's league. It's that they have the mystique because this is the tournament that defines Real Madrid. Yeah. It's not La Liga titles. It's not Copa del Rey. It's nice when that happens if you're a Madrista, but that's like that's not how they're defined. They're defined by this tournament. So even in seasons where you're like, they're not better than Barca. They figured out a way three times straight under Sedan. So like that, there is a lot to that. Like, like they don't have to be at their best. They catch a little bit of luck, even early in this match to go up one nil at home. So like, yeah, like it, it might not be the greatest addition ever of Real Madrid, but this tournament it, it unlocks everything that's good about them in terms of how they play on the pitch. Manchester City does not lack for confidence. They know they can go out and be good enough to win a league, just not this year with this Liverpool team, clearly. But they have a lot of confidence. It's clearly a great team, but they've never won Champions League. So I think there is something that you gain as a club by actually going out. And I referenced 2012 earlier when Chelsea were able to get through Barca. That's a big deal. Like Getting through Barca is a big deal for other clubs at that stage in Champions League. Champions League is a completely different animal. So when you have those kind of wins, it means something a little bit more. And it's not so much like, oh, you've never won. It's That's not my point with Manchester City. I'm really saying like winning in Madrid is a huge deal for him. And I think 
I think they get through. Now, who knows? Maybe they go back to Manchester. I have Manchester City to win Champions League, so I really liked the result. But I just thought it was interesting from the play-by-play guy because initially I thought, yeah. no, come on. But then the more I thought about it, I'm like, that's right. He's totally right. That's one of the biggest wins in club history. Yeah, Aguero I'm- scoring to win the league in the last second, obviously the biggest moment. Nothing's going to beat that. But it's it really is one of those that you probably put up there in the top three. Yeah, and I, I'm guessing that's not a point lost on anybody in the dressing room or the manager. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and Pep Pep is a perfect person to remind to remind people. Um, So that's what I got on Champions League. Chelsea out. Barca, I think, get through. And um, I think still any concern. Juventus losing away. They've not been great in Serie A, by the way. The that one finished one nil, correct? Yeah. So the the bigger issue for me there is no away goals. That's the bigger issue for me. Not the fact that they lost. The fact that they did not score on the road. That's what could come back to bite them. Yeah. We'll Uh, see. let me uh, shout out the uh, the Pena here. Uh, and all are welcome because Classico coming up this Sunday, March 1st, 12 noon. Uh, there's going to be uh, not one but two different documentaries being filmed, if you can believe it, at Serrano Street Tacos and Bar, which is in downtown San Diego. Uh, put it into your Google Maps, if you will. But uh, a raffle there. All proceeds go into an organization called the Arms Wide Open Foundation. Raffle tickets sold for 5 bucks. 12 noon match. I'd recommend getting there early. Have a little bit of lunch, yeah. have a couple of drinks, and uh, again, there are not one, two different documentaries being filmed on Sunday, one of which apparently has a chance of appearing on Barca TV in Catalonia. So could be a very, very interesting, I promise you, uh, I can't predict the result, I will, <laughs> but uh, it'll be festive, it'll be active. You've been there before, even Tuesday Champions League when most people are working, we get a decent crowd. So El Clasico is our signature event, the place will be decorated. Some of us are showing up bright and early, so if you want to come by March 1st, we, the more the merrier. Very nice. What, what time is that kickoff? 12 noon, baby. 12 noon. What about you? Going to be there? Uh, that's the plan. Okay. That's Mesca- the plan. Mezcal, tacos, El You're Clasico. not going to let Rey Mysterio down, are you? Did you see the video that Rey Mysterio How great is he with, with the Pena? Oh, my gosh. I know. Our, uh, our Presidente, Ruben, man, he's... He's yeah, dialed man. in. He is. Ruben's, Ruben's a good man. All right. Um, anything else we need to get to? We went pretty long, but we have like yeah. matches to talk about now, and it's really exciting. Approaching 40 minutes. Anything in the Premier League I need to pay attention to this weekend? MLS opening weekend? CONCACAF Champions League? I mean, we've got a lot. How about those highlights? We've got a lot. Oh, the one from Tigres? Oh, my gosh. Oh, God. Your keeper comes up, scores a header Erotic. at the death. Like that's an incredible highlight. That was that was sexy. Absolutely. I, we're, we're, stay tuned for our MLS preview show, which we're probably not going to do. We have a Bundesliga report, Darren. That's the one thing we do need to get to before we do say goodbye. Tim Stoops checking in from Missoula, Montana. For the Bundesliga update. Here we go, Tim Stoops. Darren Jordan, feeling dunk. Here is your Bundesliga report. A report that tells you what these Bundesliga clubs do against each other when they're not busy out dominating the rest of Europe in European competition. Question Eins. Is Bayern still in first? Yes, Bayern's got 49 points. Energy Drink Football Club has 48. And Borussia Dortmund has 45. Bayern survived a 3-2 home win to bottom of the table Paderborn. Dortmund and Energy Football Club were both winners over the weekend. Questions by, what did Dortmund do? Dortmund played away at Werder Bremen, a club that just recently knocked them out of the uh, German Cup competition, but they were solid performers all the way around and won 2-0. Question dry. 
What did Americans do in the Bundesliga? Timmy Chandler and John Brooks each played a full 90 for Frankfurt and Wolfsburg, respectively. Weston McKinney subbed off after 55 minutes in a very bad loss to Energy Drink Football Club for Schalke. And Josh Sargent and Gio Reyna... They had a little Americaner on Americaner action as they each faced each other as subs in that Dortmund and Werder Bremen match. And lastly, your Torjäger Kanan tracker. Robert Lewandowski added to his total with two goals, rescuing Bayern in that match against uh, Paderborn. And Timo Werner has 21, so it's a four-goal lead for Robert Lewandowski. Auf Wiedersehen! All right, Darren, there he is, Tim Stoops, back on the Unnamed Soccer Podcast in 2020. Sponsors, Three Punk Ales and Chula Vista Sport Clips. We appreciate them. Anything else? Want to just yes, say goodbye? I do. I have one quick thing. What do you got? Uh, I want to say, because uh, uh, the mystery of what happened to my local oh. scarf. Man, we buried this. Became a, 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 so, a bit of a social media thing. Uh, I want to thank Drew from the locals who, who went out of his way. And I thought I was in the middle of a bit still extended. That he came to Serrano's on Tuesday to give me a replacement scarf. Now, at first, I was like, wait, is this my scarf? Did somebody pick this up and you guys were all just messing with me here? He said, nah, dude, like that scarf is probably gone. We can't convict Sports Brain on this one. I'm just saying, there's not enough evidence to convict anybody. Right. I don't know that anybody's been acquitted in the case of the missing local scarf. I know who my suspect number one is. Sports brain. And I just want to say thank you to Drew for going out of his way to come to Serrano's Tuesday to watch a little Champions League wearing a sharp Ajax shirt and deliver a replacement scarf. Means a lot to me. Yeah. Seriously, no joking. Like that that was that was awesome of Drew to do, and I do appreciate that. Yeah. And uh, anyone who may have taken Darren's scarf. I mean, by the middle of the season this year, the amount of guilt that's going to be on your conscience, you're going to be in the supporters section, Chris, maybe you. You're just caught up in the fact that you stole Darren's scarf. And thank you to the locals also for providing great atmosphere, but for also like accepting my wife into your section. Again, like, I lost her. Yeah, did you earlier you said she left you for the... She did. Wow. Yeah. Warren Smith was in the middle of the supporters <laughs> section waving a flag. Wife went down there, disappeared into the mayhem. She's like, oh, I can't wait to go back. They were so much fun. She was learning the songs and singing. She was great. Yeah, They were great. So thank you guys for the hospitality and, of course, for the replacement scarf. All right, we'll talk to you next week. Peace.